Okay, guys, we're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna get rolling. Thanks you, thank you for coming tonight. I am uh, Pastor Ken, and this is my wife Trudy, and we've been married for fifty-two years. We are our claim to fame around here is we are the pastor's parents, <laughs> and uh, so we've been in the ministry for over forty years. We uh, I've been a worship leader. I've been in a kids' TV show uh, for the last twenty plus years. We've traveled. Mm-hmm around the country doing marriage seminars, uh, teaching on family issues. And so we're excited to be in this church now and excited about everything that's going on. We're glad you're here tonight. So we're going to be talking about prayer. So let's pray to begin. All right. Father, we thank you tonight in Jesus name for this time together. We give you praise for the word of God. We thank you for giving Trudy and I uh, clarity. May the Holy Spirit direct and lead us. And we give you thanks for all that you're going to do in this class to bless people. They're going to leave here different than they came in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody's talking besides me, but we'll get that fixed. Uh, <laughs> if, if you, uh, Our title tonight is Kingdom Building Through Prayer. King- class one day, and I, I was, uh, the teacher was asking us if we had any prayer requests. And this is just me. You just got to understand who I am. And I said, well, I'm going to pray for a bicycle. And the teacher promptly told me, well, you can't pray for a bicycle because that's selfish and God doesn't care about you having a bicycle. And so I just said, well, I'm sorry, but my dad said that I can pray for a bicycle. And I I began to argue with the teacher, which I got in trouble with, you know, and I'm probably in the third grade or so. But it just did not make sense to me. And I carried that that in my heart for, for all those years. And I wanted so desperately to know the God that was in the Bible. But, but I didn't know how to pray because I'd been taught doesn't do any good. And so here we are, married six months in. And I knew it was, you know, I'd known him since I was 12 years old. And all I, could, all I cared about all those years was we're going to grow up and get married and be, it'll be happily ever after. And six months into our marriage, everything was going downhill. We were... You know, you think there's troubles going on in the earth today. We were in a, a, a tough time during those years. Uh, the 60s, we'd had three assassinations. Uh, to, uh, President Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Robert Kennedy were all assassinated. We were in the middle of the Vietnam War. A lot of turmoil. Boys are going left and right in the draft. They're frightened. They're scared. There's thousands of our boys dying. It was dark, dark, dark times. No hope. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen. And we get married, and uh, we hadn't been married long. He's not, because of that, he can't sleep at night, so he's drinking every night to go to sleep. He's on the road to alcoholism. And so this is where <laughs> I'm at with my life, wondering, what do you do? How do you pray? Does God hear me? Does he care? And so one night after a big fight, um, he went to bed like he always did because he drank himself to sleep. And I went and cried my eyes out to the Lord. And I said, if you're real, this is kind of like what Bayless Connolly said, if you're real, I need to know. I need to know if you're real. And if you're not, then I'm done. I'm walking. This is it. I've, tried, I've gone to church all my life. I've done everything I know to do. But I haven't seen your hand move in my life at all. And if you're real... I want to know about it. Cry myself to sleep. Next morning, there's a knock on my door. The next day, 
God cares about you. Even when you cry out mad, he cares about you. The next day on my doorstep were two beautiful feet. And they came and witnessed to me. And uh, I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit that day. And it changed everything. And he became, and I knew nothing. What I'm trying to tell some of you young people, it, it, you can start right there and God will just, he'll help you. Because I didn't know anything. I really didn't. The only thing I knew, and I'll talk about this later, was um, the, my, the lady that helped me get filled with the Spirit, she, she gave me a scripture and she said, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying a perfect prayer. And I thought, that I can do. <laughs> And I began to pray, and uh, I'd pray for him, pray for him in the spirit at night. And God began to move in our lives. And uh, I didn't know it. I didn't know what was happening. But the spirit of God began to chase him everywhere he went. He chased him to the liquor store. He chased him everywhere he went. His presence would fill the car. He'd talk to him. We'll talk about that more later. But I just want you to know tonight, especially you young people, don't think you can't learn to pray. He listens to you, and you'll grow in this, and it's the most wonderful thing. We didn't have a church. We didn't have anybody, but we had the Lord, and he was there to answer our prayers. And we're going to talk about a lot of nuts and bolts tonight, but I just want you to know the heart of prayer is it's not hard. It's not hard. He is your very best friend, and he wants you to know him and to hold on to him more than you probably even want to because he's the one that came up with prayer it wasn't us he said jesus said uh i'm going to teach you to pray and he taught us how and he led an example for us the lord the 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 lord of our lives when he was on this earth was a man of prayer and he went to his father all the time and so if he did that then we need to do it and we need to learn something we're going to learn some cool things tonight just about what makes prayer work and help you get your feet established on the ground about how God cares about you and your prayer life. So, Okay, jump on your notes. Here we, here we go. We're going to begin. Uh, we're going to start with this definition of prayer. In your notes, prayer is an earthly license for a heavenly interference. Or prayer brings down the supernatural God into your situation, my situation. Personally, God intervenes. Uh, the position of prayer. Why do we pray? Um, And I'm looking for my notes here. Where does it say this? Okay, so here we go. If God is not sovereign, then why do we pray? That's in your notes. If no, God is not influenced by us, why do we pray? If God cannot be uh, affected, is the word there in your blank, affected by humans, why pray? So prayer is not just a religious activity. It is designed to do something, all right? Uh, definition of prayer. I've got a quote by a man named Miles Monroe, who we're going to recommend his book later. But Miles says this, Prayer is an earthly license for a heavenly interference. Prayer is crossing the natural earth plane into the spiritual world of heaven. John Wesley said this, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. So let's talk about, we're going to break this down into three different parts as we, as we talk about prayer. First of all, we're going to talk about the position of prayer. Then later on, we're going to get into the motivation of prayer. 
And then we're going to talk about the life of prayer. We're going to tell some personal stories about how we prayed, how God's done some things. Um, but let's begin with the p- position of prayer. Uh, from the beginning, God placed authority in the hands of human beings. And we've got a scripture, Genesis one twenty six, says this, Then God said, Let us make man. This is the first mention in the Bible of man. This is on day six of creation. And God, before he made man and woman, makes this declaration. God said, let us make man in our image or to be like God, to look like God. I don't know about so much about that. But human beings were made to operate like God. We're not God, but we are created on a high plane to operate like him. Uh, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. That's an important word to understand. Dominion and authority is another way to say that. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there's a statement I want you to remember. You may want to put this in your notes. It says, God says, let us, that's Father, Son, Holy Ghost, us, right? The The Godhead. Let them, let us make man and let them. Mm-hmm. And that's the way prayer is designed to work. God says, let us, and then let them. We're to carry out his plan on the earth. Mm-hmm. Man was created with dominion and authority from heaven to carry out the plan of God. God Adam was an under ruler, under God, under the authority and the rulership of God. But he was given authority. Now, that doesn't mean he had ownership. There's a difference in ownership and then operating under designated authority. We were to operate under the leadership of God always, and yet we've been, we've been given dominion into our hands. We're not created just to arbitrarily do what we want. We're created to rule under submission to God and the plan of God. So that dominion was lost, long story short, when Adam sinned, right? And he disobeyed. Mm-hmm. Now that's changed. It's all changed. But dominion was restored in Christ. Mm-hmm. It has been totally restored. Nothing left out. The only thing we're missing right now in our total restoration is when Jesus comes back and you get a glorified body. But right now, in your spirit, man, which is the real you, it's the invisible part of you, so some people underestimate it. There's three parts of man. There's a spiritual, which is the spirit, which is a real you. But then you have a soul or a mind, a thinker, a decider. God gave that to you. A free will. You know, you can do anything you want. We can have this class tonight. And you can walk out of here with this, this, this uh, information, and you can make a decision to go rob a convenience store going home. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend you do that, but God would let you do that because you have been given dominion and authority, right? So that dominion was lost to a certain extent. No, back to this. We are a spirit. We have a soul, but and then we have a body that we live in. We're in the process right now in your spirit, man. That's why you're here tonight. You're renewing your mind and your soul to the truth. That's what classes in the Word of God are all about. And then one day, a glorious day is coming, and we're going to get a glorified body. That's going to be the <laughs> restoration. In the, and, and, man, I'm excited. And no rotator cuff surgery anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's going to be glorified to be like Jesus. That's the truth. That, isn't that wonderful? But right now in the earth, where we are right now, we're walking this out by faith. And prayer is our important connection to God. And I think a lot of times we don't realize the plane we've been connected on, mm-hmm. the high place God's put you in. I'm going to read Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. 
Am I, you, you want to say anything? Okay. I'm going to read this to you. It's not in your notes, but I'm going to read it. Uh, and this is TPT version. Now listen to this. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, that's the way we were. Trudy talked about that. He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Hallelujah. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Now, physically, that's not where you are. But positionally, if you're a Christian, that's where you are. Mm -hmm. At the right hand of the Father with Jesus. That's our position. That's the place we pray from. We're not praying as a worm begging God. Nope. For something, just a, a crumb? No. We're his children. Right. You know, I have children, and then I have grandchildren. One of them's in here tonight. She's peeking around looking at me right now. Hey, Bo. And <laughs> here's the deal about the father and children. If, if they want something, I'm going to bust it to get it for them. Because why, why would I do that? They're my kids, and I love them. I love everybody, but I love my kids and my wife differently. Because that's my family. We're in the family of God, yeah. positionally seated in heavenly places. Some of you are looking at me funny, but it's the truth. Everybody say glory to God. Glory Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Yes. So Satan tricked Adam in the garden and obtained dominion over men. And we're talking about prayer, the position of prayer. But Jesus got it all back at the cross, all dominion. Matthew 28, 18 says this. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority. Everybody say all authority. That's that dominion deal. That's all authority and dominion has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then the next sentence says, therefore, go ye. And this is talking about going and preaching the gospel and witnessing to Jesus. But that is going ye means anything you do. That's where you come at this from. No matter what you've been through. And we've all been through stuff. We've, we're all having to renew our mind in different ways because we got ruts in our mind but because of the fall. And we all felt, we all fell short of the glory of God. But listen, this is what God says about us. Right. This is who you really are. This is a real you. And the more you think about this, the more it will become a reality to you, right? So the only way that dominion and authority is exercised is when we take it in prayer. That's why prayer is so important. You should write that down. That authority and dominion is exercised when we take it in prayer. It's not enough just to be a Christian. There's a lot of people that say they're Christians right now. You know, about, I don't know, what is it? Half the United States population declares they're a Christian, but they're not walking in any kind of power. Uh, it's not enough to be a member of New Song Church. And we're so glad you're a member of New Song Church if you are. But that, that, that ain't going to get it done. <laughs> you can be all these. You can be powerless. So to have a, a good prayer life, you must know what the Bible says. For instance, here's the truth. There's a difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, I'll give you an example. When I was a young man, I didn't know a lot. But one time I was, I, I was going to church in Texas in Fort Worth, and I had a great pastor. And I was kind of, I was a really, I was a young pup on the staff, and I did visitation ministry. And, but I don't know much about the Bible, but I, I want to grow, right? So we're out at a men's breakfast one morning in the 70s, early 70s, long time ago. I think I was 23, 24. And we're sitting with a guy, and this guy leans across the, the table and asks the pastor. He said, now, pastor... I read a scripture that says, uh, David talked about, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And he said, what does that mean? Does the Holy Spirit 
does God take the spirit from us and then he and then he give it back gives it back to us and so I didn't know much okay but this one somehow at that point in time I'd figure this one out and I said no 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 I answered the question I said it's not I wasn't butting in I was just excited because I, I knew it I said no you got to understand that was in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came on people and then he went and then he, he didn't even come on everybody. He came on the prophets. There was an anointing by the Holy Spirit to be a priest. And then some of the kings. But the common man, and David was a prophet, and he was a priest, and he was, he was all three. But even David would say, please don't take your Holy Spirit. And I said, that's the Old Testament. Now the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. He lives in you. And the pastor looked over at me and said, that's a good answer, Ken. I'm really proud of you. And I went, yes, I'm 23 years old. And I'm, but see, that's the truth. There's a difference in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't live inside people. Now, He lives in us, and He also comes on us, but He doesn't check out and leave you ever. He said, Jesus said, I will never, ever, everybody say never. Never. So, you know, even when you feel at your lowest and you feel the driest, understand this, according to the Bible, according to the Bible, he's not gone. He's right there. Paul said it this way. You've got to stir the gift up. Mm -hmm. Stir the gift up. The gift is there. You have to stir it up. How do you stir? One of the ways you stir is to pray. Uh, you have to pray. So in Christ, we have a, a superior position. So for, we're talking about how we pray truly now when we pray simply in the morning we get up our life is now together i don't like keep real rigid office hours because i'm getting old okay and i'm not as busy as i used to be but every morning we get up and we pray together and we connect over this truth that christ is in us we make some confessions we don't make we'll, we don't pray necessarily a long time We'll listen to some uh, teaching, but we begin to connect and pray together over our day. Simply pray and remember, first of all, who, where Jesus is, how much he loves us. That's where prayer begins. Mm -hmm. And that is our position of prayer. Now, let's talk about the motivation of prayer. You want to say anything yet? Not yet. Okay. There are three motivational, uh, potential motivations for prayer. I think they're, oh, and let me, let me fill in the blanks for this statement. Uh, at the at the end of position of prayer, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The Old Testament hasn't passed away; it's still the Word of God, just as much Word of God as ever, but it's different now. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Does that make sense? It's the Old Testament revealed. So, the motivation of prayer. There are three potential motivations for prayer. They are, number one, communing with God. They are, number two, our needs being met. These are in your notes. And number three, praying about the needs of others. And that's really the three things you, you, you're going to pray about. Things that have to do with you and your, your relationship with God or our needs and the needs of others. So understand this. The priority of this is what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He didn't begin with our provider who is in heaven. Generous be thy name. He didn't say that, did he? In other words, that my needs, I mean, God, we're going to find out God wants to meet your needs, but it's not the primary way we pray. Or he didn't say our master who is in heaven, assignment giver be thy name. Or I say that because God just doesn't want to use you or, and use you up. 
That's not God's way. Uh, here's what Jesus said about when we pray. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. In the Old Testament, they did not know God as Father. Here's where we have a leg up. He is, because of Jesus and what he did, the door was open. And not only did you get saved, but you came into the family of God. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He is your brethren. He's your brother. Jesus is our Savior, and he's a king. But, oh, my gosh, he's our brother. We're kinfolk with Jesus, right? And because of him, now we have a father. And I think that's so important right now. So many people we deal with in, in, in the world, in society, in our culture, broken homes, didn't have a dad. There's people sitting in this room that your image of a dad is not very good. Maybe you didn't know your dad. I don't know. All sorts of stories about not having a dad. And God made people to have dads. Mm -hmm. God designed the family. He designed a mama and a daddy, a man and a woman. This is God's design. We're not being discriminatory saying it this way. It's the Bible. It's the only thing that works, a man and a woman, and they have children. It's God's way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other deal doesn't work. We love those people. We hope they get delivered. We're, we're Christians. Jesus can set people free of anything, yeah. transsexuals, whatever has happened, but it's not right, okay? And we're, not, we're not being mean and ugly to say that. But, he, but Jesus came to show us the real Father. Wow. I think, we have a and there's a, there's a statement when Jesus raises, is, was raised from the dead. Uh, he's coming up, you know, where he'd been. He's about to ascend to the Father. And uh, Mary's there, and he says, don't touch me right now. I haven't ascended. Because he had to take his blood to the... He was taking his blood to put on the mercy seat yeah. to make everything right. But this is the most touching thing to me. He says, I'm going to my Father and your Father. It all changed right there. He said, he's now your Father. He's not just mine. He's yours. Yes. And there's not any grandchildren either. Uh -uh. You know, I have grandchildren and great-grandchildren, but with God, there's not any. Everybody is yeah. his child. There's no, there's no caste system. There's no, no, he's your father. And I, I think that's one of the most important things that we can grasp in prayer is how much our father loves us. I think that's a real place where people have a hard time with prayer is because they don't know what a real father's like but if you want to know what the father looks like jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father so when you think about jesus and you think about what he did and how he was you get a good look at what your your new father is like yeah. whether you had a great father or a bad one the one you got right now was the father of all fathers and now he's your father yeah. when you ask him into your heart oh wow uh, you know, I just sense anointing right now, uh, uh, the Father anointing. Lord, thank you right now. We just stop and close our eyes and take a big, deep breath. Go ahead and do that and receive that love of a, of a dad, of a father, Abba, Father, the one that, that made everything but brought, loved us so much to send the Son to bring us back to our real dad. Lord, thank you. Thank you for so much for that. We praise you for that. I pray if anybody is just hurting over something tonight, they'll sense the Father's love right now in Jesus' name. So when you pray, you're talking to a real person that loves you, that wants to hang out with you. God doesn't just want to use you to meet people's needs. 
He doesn't want to. He, he, he's not here to make you religious. He's here, first of all, to be your father and to walk with us on this process of, of the earth and of life on the earth and going through aging, going through 20s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 72 right now. And God wants to help us at every point in our life while we're here. We're not here very long, but while we're here, we have a purpose for being here. And no matter, no matter what's happened to you, that purpose is still alive. So I'm going to quote Dutch Sheet says, says this. I love this. He says, loving relationships built around true communion and the pleasure of friendship always result in the serving of one another. So we're not hirelings for God working our way to heaven. We're partners with God in the gospel and in carrying out his assignment on the earth. Uh, if our first motivation is to get our needs met, it becomes like we're going to a convenience store and using God, right? And but our, that's not the way it is. If our first motivation is meeting the needs of others, our prayers can take on a feeling of being used by God. It will begin to feel like prayers performance based and legalistic. We can feel like hirelings working our way to heaven and we've got to do it a particular way in order to gain the favor of God. That's not the way it is. He just first of all, he loves you. You're his, he's your dad. So the heart of prayer is partnering with our wonderful, wonderful Heavenly Father in friendship and relationship to carry out His will in the earth. So here's our commission, Mark 15, 16, or 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But here's our work in relationship. Here's the attitude which we, with which we do it. John 15, 15. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. So we now pray from a whole different motivation than the Old Testament. Now we are accepted. We have been accepted. It is done. The Old Testament, they're, they're, it's like they're always trying to get something they didn't have. But in the New Testament, we have it now. It's been given back to us. Our relationship has been restored. We've been forgiven that is very good news, and that is our motivation for prayer. Right. And, you know, sometimes I think in our, in our walk with God, <clears throat> if we're not careful, we get taken up with feelings. And you've got to understand that you don't have a relationship with anybody based on just feelings. You know, there's, there's times that you've probably felt like this before, too. You got up in the morning, you didn't even feel saved, and yet you know you are. Because you know what the word says. I ask Jesus in my heart. I know I'm born again. Or, you know, you live with somebody and you may not tell each other every day that you love each other. And you can be grippy and grouchy. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship there. You don't go by feelings. You go by commitment. And you go by what you've, you've uh, promised to each other. Well, I am. I'm the one. So, but... Um, once again, here's Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And like Ken said, God's not here just to use us. Prayer was always his idea. One of the reasons is he wants to be close to you. <laughs> Every day. He loves you so. He just wants to be with you. And I don't think we realize that sometimes because he's, you know, we can't see him. But if you, you got to learn to know his heart and his intent. And that comes from the word of God. And uh, a few years ago, I had a, I was meditating on this. I was thinking about my relationship with God and how that works and how that we're in a co-mission with him. That means 
we have a mission that we're co-partners in. And uh, I was meditating. And, and let, me, let me talk to you a little bit about meditating. One of the ways you meditate is you think on a scripture. And a lot of times, if you'll get quiet, he'll show you things about that scripture. Now, personally for me, and this might not be for everyone, but a lot of times I'm a real visual person. So when I'm meditating a scripture, I'll see little movies of things. It's the Holy Spirit is showing me things. And so one day I'm outside. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I was out by our pool and I was sweeping and doing something. And I'm meditating on Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean? And I was thinking about it. And all of a sudden I saw in my heart, that's the only way I know to say it, this vision of a, a stadium. It's a huge stadium and it's full of people. And it's a racetrack. And there's people, and they're about to run a race, and they're all down on this track. It's, it's like a, they're, they're stretching. I can see them. They got their feet on the blocks. They're getting ready to go, you know. And, and it's just massive people all around. And everybody's all excited, you know. They're getting ready. Well, who's going to run the race? Who's going to win the race? And all of a sudden, just someone, it still gets me today, someone entered from the side of the stadium and began to walk into the stadium. And the people you just start to hear this low roar just roaring all around the stadium. And you're thinking, uh-oh, what happened? And, and people are beginning to cheer, and they're just standing to their feet, and you're thinking, who just walked into this place? And so in my little vision, I was watching, and I saw, and it was the Lord Jesus, and he was walking in. And that's why there was such a commotion. And everybody began to say, the champions just walked in the stadium the champions just walked in the stadium but at the same time all the runners are going well forget it if he's gonna run we can't beat him but as he began to walk up I noticed on his arm he, he had his arm out like this and he had all these medals all the way up and down his arms and they had ribbons and on the on the end of the medals were were gold medallions and he walked up to all the runners, and he began to put the, the medals on them before they ever ran the race. He just starts putting it on their necks. And they're looking at him like, what are you doing? We haven't even run the race. And besides, we can't beat you anyway. Why are you giving us medals? And he goes, oh, I'm not going to run the race. You're going to run the race. But I'm going to run the race through you. That's why I've already crowned you as a conqueror before you ever begin. Because when you're in me, you're more than a conqueror because of what's inside of you. He's the champion now. When you ask Jesus in your heart, he lives in you and runs in you and runs with you. And he said, you run the race. He said, the only way you can't run, the, you will lose the race. The only way you can lose the race is if you quit. Because he said, if you run in this race and you stumble and fall, I'll be right there to pick you right back up and get you running again. And that's what it means. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. In fact, I love this, what it says here. The, the word glory means the reflection, the full expression of the true nature of a thing. So when, when God's looking at us, he's saying Christ in you is a reflection of me. Because Jesus is in you. And Jesus is really the full, the full reflection of, of God. Because it's like, you know, it's like he said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're all in this together. But then when he gets in you, 
then you are the reflection. He's, you become his glory. You become his reflection because you're showing to the world. He lives in me. He shows me what to do. And then you shine out to the world and you heal broken hearts and broken lives. And, and God uses your gifts and all that's in you to become his, his hands and his feet to the world now. Yeah. It's good, so it's so important that you understand to them, God willed to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the way the Lord really said it to me that day, he said, Christ in you is the return of the glory of God in you to show the world. That's who you are. That's who you are. Huh. And that's the basis of your prayer, too. He's there. If you don't think he wants you to win... Yes, he wants you to win. He needs you to win. Yes. You're his body in the earth now. See, you're, you're, you're the body that's running. He was the body of Christ when he was on the earth. But when he left, we became that body. And now we're his hands. We're his feet. We're his eyes. We're the ones that are full of that glory. We're the ones that go out and heal the sick and, 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 and raise the dead. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's in you, and he's always with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. And when you start staying on that level in your prayer life, you just way up here all the time because you know who's with you and in you. So. so the first priority of prayer is relationship. It's our relationship. As believers in Christ, we've been invited into a loving, personal relationship of the living God in heaven. And that is always our first priority and the bedrock of understanding how prayer works most effectively. You always start here. This is where we always need to come because we go through things, you know, and we feel the air gets let out of our sails and life takes a shot at us. And you always got to go, OK, I got to go back to the beginning. Who am I? What has he done for me? Right. You always start there. Life can be complex and overwhelming. Uh, but but here's the deal. It, this is really simple. And we need to keep it simple because uh, because of life getting so crazy. And the devil wants to get you all confused and and off the fact of who you really are. Uh, so you got to keep it simple. I, I do this a lot when I pray. I remember this story. I preach this all the time. This encounter with God marked my life. Said something to me that I'll, that I'll live out forever and ever. But here's what's going on. Trudy's gotten saved, right? Let's go back. What, 52 years ago. And uh, it, it was not 52, nearly 53 when God, yeah, okay. Uh, but she's gotten saved, and I'm watching her, and I'm thinking, I, that's okay for her, but, you know, that wouldn't be good for me because I'm, I got a lot of problems because I'm on the road to alcoholism. And, and my big deal was really I didn't think God loved me. Because I had been a kid, and I had professed Christ. I'd gotten saved, but I'd totally walked away from that. And now I'm doing my thing, and God's not anywhere in it. <laughs> but now she, my wife is saved. And so this is really bothering me, you know. And I'm watching her, and I could tell something. And I didn't doubt for a minute something had happened to her. But here's my thinking. She's just a good person. She's a whole lot better person than me. And because of that, yeah, I can see God dealing with her, but not me. But she's praying for me. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about the power of prayer tonight. She's praying for me. I don't know she's praying for me, but she's praying for me. Sneakily, sneaky praying for me. When I would be asleep at night. I didn't know she was doing this.
because I drank a lot and I would go to sleep, you know, really good. She would lay hands on me and pray for me. And she would pray in the spirit. We're going to talk a little bit more about why we do that later. And she's praying in the spirit because the Bible said when you pray in the spirit, you don't know what you're saying, but you're praying a perfect prayer. And God knew exactly what I needed. But and, and so she didn't know, but I God did. And God used her to get to me. That's what prayer is all about. So I'm driving to the liquor store, right? I'm going down one of these flat West Texas roads, telephone poles on both sides. No, we don't have any trees in the Panhandle of Texas. Only trees we have are telephone poles. And I can just see it now. I'm in my 63 Ford. If you heard me preach last, whenever I did, I showed you a picture of my car. And I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, God came in my car. He came in, and I felt his presence. And I knew it was God. And I don't know God, man. I mean, I'm, and I'm going, whoa, God is here. And then the Lord spoke to me. Not audibly, but it was so strong, I nearly felt like I heard it with my ears. And he said three things to me. The first thing he said was, I love you. Just like I was right there, I knew God said, I love you. He loved me. He didn't say, if you'll change and do this, I'll love you. Uh-uh, I love you. First statement. Second statement, I want to help you. I heard God say that. And then the third statement, why don't you ask me to help you? Do you know that's God to the world right now? God so loved the world. God wants to help the world because the world's in a mess. But he won't and he can't. Did you hear me? He can't unless they ask him because he will not intrude we're talking about the ultimate gentleman. God will do amazing things for you, but you got to invite him in. And that day I didn't. I mean, I got to the liquor store, got out, bought my, still went ahead, bought my liquor. I didn't do anything so powerful, but I didn't do anything. But two weeks later I did. And when I asked him and received that love, he began to help me. And he's been helping me for 50 plus years. But I, gotta, I, I go back to that all the time. Lord, first of all, I know you love me. You love me. I know you love me. And I know your heart is to help me. And, Lord, I'm asking you to help me today. That's a simple way to live for God. Listen, when we understand how much God cares about us and wants to help us, then we're empowered to get our needs met. Remember we were talking about that? God wants to meet your needs. But then we're empowered not as a, a lackey to go help people, but as a as empowered by the Spirit of God to go help people ourselves. That's what this is all about. And it's really simple. you got to go back to simplicity. We're talking about prayer right now, simplicity of prayer. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 11, 3. And Paul says, But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's simple. So let's sum this up. Our motivation uh, in prayer to begin with is to we have a relationship with him and we want to have communion to with Jesus and we always start there so why let's talk about why we have to pray let's why do we have to pray let's talk about sovereignty uh, we, we mentioned that word in the beginning everybody's heard the term God is sovereign and so for some people have the idea that that means God is in control of everything but I want, to give, I want to give you a thought here. If God is in control, why does he need us to pray if he's in control of everything? 
Here's some ideas people have. Everything happens for a reason. And no matter what happens, God is in control. And nothing happens unless he allows it. <laughs> but the truth is, yes, God is sovereign. He's the greatest in power and authority. But that doesn't mean he controls everything, okay? Not ultimately. The, the Bible is full of things that were not God's will, and God allowed them to happen. And God allowing things is only true in that God gave humans a free will, and we have the power of choice. I'm going to quote a couple of guys here. Jack Hayford, I love this. He says, God is sovereign. It's in your notes. But in his sovereignty, he has limited himself. Wow. The quest of Jesus Christ on the earth is greatly crippled by the wrong notions of the sovereignty of God. Because if you believe that, then why are you praying? If God's just going to do what he wants to anyway. Miles Monroe says it this way. God is as sovereign as his word. Another quote. He has limited himself to his word. God will never violate his word. If God ever does something outside of his word, he ceases to be God. So God is married to his word. So, yes, God is sovereign in, in a sense that he is over everything and his plan is going to come to pass. But the question is, are we going to be a part of that plan? And we're going to fulfill our mission to, uh, to, if you will, change things to be a part of the plan. Because the church, we as a church are here to influence this world. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth, the church, us, me and you. Not just the preachers, but all of us, the body of Christ. And we are here. And if we don't do our job, then that job ain't going to get done, right? And people won't be reached. God works in, in conjunction with, with people. That's why we pray. Real prayer is partnering with, partnering with God to establish his, wall, his will in the earth. So... We go back to the beginning. Remember, it says this. God said, let us let them. Let us let them. Here's what Christianity is. It's this huge partnership with us and God. And you might want to write this down. I don't think it's in your notes. Only we can do our part. God won't do your part for you. Won't do it. If I hadn't asked him two weeks after that car incident, although how glorious that was, marked my life, never forget it, still can feel it sometimes when I really think about it. I can feel how I felt. I had the love and the, the grace that filled that car. But if I hadn't asked, he wouldn't have done anything. Right? So God needs our cooperation. Only we can do our part, but only God can do his part. His part's a whole lot bigger and better and supernatural and wonderful than our part. But our part triggers his part. Right? right? right. Does that make sense? Y'all yeah. are looking at me like a cow at a new gate. But I'm telling you what, it's true. God must have and needs our cooperation to get things done to bring about his will on the earth. So it's important to know the weapons of, of prayer are the, the types of prayer that we've been given and the timing of when to use those, those weapons. And so let's talk about the life of prayer. Let's talk about the life of prayer for a minute. And let's let me, get into let some. Me, yeah, let go me ahead, mention babe. a couple of things here, too. Pastor Sarah wanted, me, uh, wanted us to mention to you a, an app that is very good called The Inner Room. And uh, you can take this app. Is that in their notes? I don't know that it is. It's called the Inner Room. The Inner Room app, and it has boards, and you can go in there and design your prayers. It's a very helpful uh, app. Uh, we also wanted to mention the books that we took some of our teaching from that are great books on prayer. Uh, Dutch Sheets Intercessory Prayer is one of them. 
uh, prayer secrets of uh, secrets of power and prayer by uh, Lynn Hammond and Patsy Caminetti. And these ladies I know personally. This is a great book yeah, it is. on prayer. It's great. Yep. Secrets of Powerful Prayer. And, uh, it's by it, Lynn Hammond and Patsy, Patsy Caminetti, and it, you can find these online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Miles Monroe's book, The Power and Purpose of Prayer. These are all wonderful books to help you understand your authority, your dominion, why you have to ask. You know, one of the things that people think is, well, if God sees that I'm hurting or a need, why didn't he just fix it? Why, why, why did we have to ask? I think people don't understand that part. He cannot, because of the fall, he's not able to interfere because Satan has, has got dominion of the earth. And so in order for you to get a prayer answered, you have to ask God so that that's why we said it, we give him a license to interfere with, with our asking. You have to ask to get born again. You know, I think about scripture I've been meditating on in Hebrews 2. And it says, when it's talking about man, and it says, and God has put all everything under his feet. And then it goes on and says, for in that he put thing, all things under his feet, we see not yet all things put under his feet, which is kind of, I mean, you're going, okay, what is this saying? I've been meditating on this. But the truth is God has put everything under our feet, but it's not all ours yet until Jesus comes back, the glorified body, and then everything's going to change. And we... But positionally, it's already ours. But the thing we have to do in prayer, you got to understand this. Jesus came to lift the curse off for those that will believe it for this time in order to get our job done. But there is still a literal curse on the earth that's working in the, the spirit of the world, the spirit of, of Antichrist, whatever, whatever we would call it, is still at work. But the way we supersede that is by walking in our authority and, and praying about it. Does that make sense? Uh, so we, we have to do our part. And also, you know, when, when oh, I was G- going to say this, Go it's like, okay, I talked about my kids. Have my kids have a need? I want to meet it as a father on, on the earth. Guess God's heart. But because he's in heaven and we're here, he can't just arbitrarily go invade. You know, it's like if Bo's sitting in here, if Bo was starving by you know by the side of the road i wouldn't wait for her to ask i would just go and i knew it i'd do something about it as a as a grandpa okay uh because of the because of god in heaven us on the earth and the curtain if you will god just can't do that he can't just reach down and and fix everything for us that's why he's designed prayer and that's why it's so important we have to pray these things in we have to pray in the will of god does that make sense? Does it make sense to you? Yes. I want to make sure you understand that because it, it's all the difference in your prayer life. It has nothing to do with his love for you. It has to do with the way the fall was, yeah. what happened at the fall. Man gave dominion over to Satan. and But Jesus came back and got it back, but we still have to ask for it in, in order for it to, to work in the earth. So. Dominion, that just means that you have been given back the power. Uh, let me say it like this about the devil, too. P- people think, you know, when, when Jesus defeated him on the cross, it says all power and authority was given to, to Jesus. Now, here's the one thing you've got to understand. 
that doesn't mean that Satan doesn't have any power at all anymore, because if he didn't, we wouldn't have to pray. But he doesn't have the authority to do it anymore. That's the big difference. There's a difference in uh, somebody can have the power to do something, but they may not have the authority. Does that, do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to take our stand. Yeah. You know, I, just, I was just talking to Severio just a few minutes ago. He told me this wild testimony. You're going to think it's crazy. But he had a dog, got run over. The dog is paralyzed. I'm going to tell your story short, okay, if I mess it up. True story. Dog's paralyzed. The vet wants to put the dog down, you know. Severio says, no, we're going to, this dog's going to be healed. We're believing God for this dog to be healed. The vet goes, no, you, you can't do that. He said, well, you hide and watch, yeah. right? So they, they nursed the dog. You, you and, your, and your buddy kept stay with the dog. 14 days later, and you told the vet in the process, uh, when I come back, this dog's going to be walking. So he just, you know, and, and so I, I thought, I mean, he's telling me this story, and I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, you paid the price for a dog. Okay, all right. No, here's the deal. He believed it. The Bible said, what things soever you desire when you pray. What things soever you desire. I mean, is, does it say that? <laughs> And that was the thing he desired. He wanted his dog to be well. And it may seem like, well, it's just a dog. Yeah, but that was a desire. And God cares about that. So 14 days later, he walked in the vet's office, and the dog is walking. But the dog, that wouldn't have happened. That dog should thank God for his owner, right? <laughs> and he's in heaven now. But anyway, that's another story. But. That's our authority, folks. We've been given this dominion and authority in Christ. Can I say one thing about that? Now you shared my testimony. Yeah, go ahead. Can I kind of fix it a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, no the, um, the dog, the, no, I'm, I'm putting this in perspective spiritually. All he knew is that his master was saying, get up. He didn't know anything else other than my voice. And he wanted to get up, so God intervened. And healed his neck so he could get up because he wanted to obey. Does Aww. that make sense? <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, just, I don't know, that helps me out. This helped me in my walk of faith anyway. <laughs> Praise God. God cares. Yes, he, he does. He cares about I love everything. That. One more thing about to me. Principalities and powers that are still at work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Understand. Can you hear what he's saying? Right. And they, and they are looking to mess us up. They want right. to kill Yes. yes, it's serious. He's saying Absolutely. that are, there are still principalities and powers that are at work, and they do. They hate you. If they could kill you before you get home tonight, they would do it. The devil hates you. He comes not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And prayer is the way we take back what he tries to take from us. We enforce our rights, right. and he has got to back up. Boy, I'm preaching good here. All right, let's talk about different kinds of prayer. We're going we're gonna to hit on some different... Yeah, we're going to have to... Yeah, we are. We got, we got 30 oh, minutes. Yeah. Everybody good? Yeah, okay. okay, here we go. Uh, think about it this way. There are different kinds of prayers. There's like different rules mm -hmm. for prayer. Uh, for instance, there's different rules for di different kinds of sports. If you're playing baseball, there's rules for baseball. And there are different rules than if you're playing football. If you know sports at all, you know that's true. For instance, you, you, uh, you know, you like baseball rule where you take a bat and you go hit the ball, and so you're playing football. 
And so you think, okay, I like that rule that I can go get a bat and hit the ball. So you go get your bat, try to waylay on the football. The referee's going to whistle, and you're going to be out. It's, you're off. You're wrong, right? Because that sports rule wasn't designed to work that way. Uh, and, and in the same way, there are rules or, or, if you will, laws of prayer. And, and here's the thing about it. We don't want to get too restrictive with, with this because prayer is connecting with God. And I'm thinking about sometimes some of the prayers we've, that God's answered. I didn't necessarily even know what they were. We're talking with some, as we were putting this together, we talked about, we I mean, sure we used would, one of them, yeah. <laughs> but, but here's I don't the best know thing. We named well, it at the moment, you know, but, so. but here's the, the bottom line of prayer. When you believe God will answer your prayer. But then there's some different things mm-hmm. that we do and we need to understand about prayer. Uh, and what is the best prayer? It's the one you need at the time. That's right. Right? <laughs> so first of all, let's talk about, let, let's, let's jump into this. Number one, we pray in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's how we pray. That is, if you will, our entry word, our, right. the password. Uh, it's not magic word. That's not the right, right way to say it. But it is a password in Jesus' name. We, when we pray, we don't pray in Christ's name. No. Now, you know, I've heard people pray like that, and I don't rebuke them. And yet, really, that's not the, that's not the way we pray. Or it's not for Christ's sake. Because really, when you're praying, you're praying most of the time for your sake. <laughs> it's not for Jesus doing fine, okay? <laughs> So that just doesn't make sense. Uh, but we pray in Jesus' name uh, because he came to represent us to the Father. We come to the Father in Jesus' name. He's given us that name. Uh, in John 14, 14, I think it's in your notes, Jesus said, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Even heal your paralyzed dog, right? That's what that says, anything. If you can believe it, he'll do it. So Jesus represents the man that came to the earth to get back what Adam lost. It took a man to do that. It blows me away. I, I told you I've been meditating in Hebrews. I've got a project I'm working on right now. I'm memorizing the whole book of Hebrews. And I've, I've been wanting to do this for a while. And I, and I, I do three verses a week. And it's going to take me well over a year to get the whole thing done. But I just do a few at a time because I want to get it down in my heart. But the, here's what I'm noticing about Hebrews. Uh, God's defining the importance of Jesus and what he did. He's, he's, talk, he's telling us how three different things, how important Jesus or how, what the angels do and how they're different than what Jesus did. How that when he came, Jesus didn't come as an angel. He came as a man. He stripped himself. He laid down everything and came as a man. And then everything that he did was to empower and give all these things back to us. It's all about us. Everything he did was to raise us up to a brand new level of life because of how much he loves mankind. It's just amazing. So it's in that name. He represents the man. The, the Christ part is the anointing that was on him to accomplish the work. So he's Jesus Christ, and we can, and it's not wrong to call him Christ. The Bible says calls him Christ. And yet when we pray, understand this, he is the man that represents us as mankind, so we pray in his name. Does that make sense? So when we pray properly, we're re- representing Jesus on the earth, or we, we are representing ourselves uh, in that name. Uh, John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Our prayers in Jesus' name must be authorized by his word. 
So here's the way this kind of works if we're breaking this down. It's kind of like a sheriff and a deputy. I know a little bit about this because I did a TV show for kids, and, I, and there was a sheriff, and I was his deputy. Anybody ever see Gospel Bill show? Okay, few. So I was the deputy. So here's what happens. The sheriff is the one that's in charge of the town, the law of the town, right? But then he can deputize people to work under him, and when he does that, they carry the same authority as the sheriff. So when Gospel Bill, from time to time, we'd do a show, and he may leave town. And so when he did, I would be the deputy. And so I'm in charge. I have, I've been given that authority. And God has deputized us with the authority to operate in Jesus' name. And here's the thing about it. Whenever we come to the Father in Jesus' name, here's good news. I don't know if this is in your notes. Write it down if it's not. God the Father never turns down the Son. And we come in His name, He won't turn you down either. So we have to make sure that when we're praying for, uh, that what you're praying for is what the Son would be praying for, okay? So we need to find it in the Word because unauthorized use of His name means a meaningless prayer request. Prayer request. Uh, and you can use His name illegitimately. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 19, that probably you've read, and it's about the sons of Sceva. And there's this priest named Sceva, and so, uh, you know, the, the power of God's moving, and Paul has been casting out demons in Jesus' name. You know, demons would be in people, and Paul would come up and cast them out and say, you come out of him in the name of Jesus. He was deputized, and he used the name, and the demon had to flee, right? Because Paul knew Jesus and was operating under the authority of Jesus in his stead, in his stead, if you will. So these sons of Sceva decide, hey, that's pretty cool to cast out demons. Let's, let's go do that. But they don't know Jesus like, you know, Paul. And so they go up to these people with demons, and they say, hey, come out of him in the name of Jesus. And these demons speak from these people. This is in the Bible. They say, hey, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but we don't know you. Let's get them, boys. And they jumped on these guys and beat them up, the demons, beat them up, men through demons through the men, and, and stripped them of their clothes, and they ran off naked. So there's a real good lesson to be learned there. Don't try to use the name unless you know him. <laughs> or And then you know that what you're doing is correct, right? We've been given the authority over demons in Jesus' name. Because if you don't do it, if you do it unauthorized, you could get butt naked and get, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> okay. So will you, we pray in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Number two here is, this is a very important prayer. The prayer of casting your care on the Lord. This is one of the... <laughs> one of the greatest prayers you can ever pray because there's sometimes when you are weary and you are uh you just don't know what to do and and first peter 5 6 is humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of god so that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all your care on him because he cares for you now i want to read this out of what would be the greek literal i love it this is a little more in debt it says take the heavy burden difficulty or challenge you're carrying the one that has risen due to circumstances that have created hardships and struggles in your life and fling those anxieties on the back of the Lord. Let him carry them for you. He is extremely interested in everything that concerns you. And, and one of the things I've learned uh, to do in my life is there are just going to be times when you're weary and you're tired and you, and you really don't quite know what to do. And so you just kind of unload. Do you know what I mean? Unload on the Lord. 
You just you pour your heart out to him. It's something called they call it supplication in the Bible, and I'll talk more about it later. But it's it's just this is how I'll do things. There'll be times I'll I'll be praying for my family, and maybe this one's got a little issue, and you know one of my grandkids has an issue, and there's an issue over here, and there's an issue over there, and I'm starting to feel heavy, and I'm thinking I'm trying to take this on myself too much because Jesus is a burden bearer. And so this is me once again. I'm kind of a strange prayer, but I'm very visual. So I've always in my mind had this giant basket that looks like a laundry basket in my head. And, and I'll just start loading it up. I'll put all my grandkids in there, and I'll put the bills in there, and I'll put all this stuff. And I take that basket, and I just take it in, and I go to the throne, and I say, Here, Father, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. And I just put it in his lap, and I'll say, I'm, I'm casting my care on you. I want you to take it because you love me. You're going to help take care of this. And that's one of the, the most important prayers you can pray is to cast your care on the Lord. Because there's just times you just need to do that. You just need to go get with your father and, and, and uh, put it on him. I think, I think as, a, as a guy, you know, and I think that's why men need women. Because women, <laughs> Trudy's got this ability when she prays. And so, you know, guys, we're more okay. Well, I'm fine and everything's good and I'm a man and I'll be fine. Lord, I t- I'm trusting you in this. But Trudy's got this ability just to come unglued in front of the Lord. And just cry and just Lord and this and just just purge and how do I say you do? Well, that? it's just because he's my heavenly father and I did that with my earthly father. I knew I could walk in any moment and talk to my my earthly father, and I knew I knew that I knew if I needed something, he was going to take care of me, whatever he needed to do. So I translated that over to my heavenly father very easily, and like we were talking about before your your relationship with your heavenly father you need to start to realize that he loves you he's not against you he wants to help you and he wants to give you comfort and and strength and walk you through things so you need to that's one of the prayers you need to learn to how to pray is just i'm tired i'm weary i just need to take this big old basket and dump it in the lord's lap for a while and then go rest sometimes you just need to rest and and pray and have some time in the word and that's how you cast it on the Lord. You just don't think about it night and day. In fact, years ago, uh, Pastor Sarah, she doesn't remember doing this, but she that it's funny. We now are with them, but they used to work for us, and they wrote a children's curriculum that our ministry sold. And and one of the things in this minute in this uh, curriculum that they wrote for children was about casting your care on the Lord. And she she had this whole little section in it about having a God box. And your God box is where you write, you write and, and she'd teach children to do this. Write something down on a piece of paper that's bothering you. And you fold it up and you go put it in the God box. And you don't get it out anymore. You leave it. Every time you get tempted, you go, nope, I'm not going to touch it. It's in the God box. He right. cares for me. And it's, it's just a way to unload. Sometimes you just need to unload. And you need to find that way in prayer that, that works for you, you know. Everybody's going to be a little different. And you probably think I'm really strange, but I've been like this since I was a kid. And it, it works for me because I just understand there's times you just need to do things like that. In your notes, you'll see that there's four parts to this prayer. And it's kind of four things you can remind yourself of when you begin to pray. Number one, there's a prayer. You're coming to God, Jesus' name. And then supplication, 
which I've got I, I've looked up the word supplication, what it means, and and look at these words. Mm-hmm. It includes a plea to God, entreaty, appeal, petition, solicitation. God, I need help. You know, ex- exhortation, urge, prayer, invocation, suit. You're bringing it. You're bringing all your everything uh, that you have to the Lord as, as a, like a lawsuit, if you will. Request, beseeching, begging. <laughs> okay, we're not beggars, but yet sometimes just let it all hang out. You know, uh, pleading. Fix your mind on the promise that you that you. Uh, prayed so that's yeah, supplication that's like this that's kind of like the sandwich you you unload you give it to him and then you go rest a bit you pray and then you start looking for the promise that matches that see and it says then you get the promise it says you fix your mind on the promise you've prayed and then with thanksgiving you say but i know you're going to take care of this you see this in the psalms a lot David going, why are the heathen raging? And why is this going on? And by the end of the psalm, he's lifting God up yeah. again. He said, but then, Lord, you showed me this, and you showed me that. And he, he, he let it all go, but then he built himself back up. And he didn't leave all down and defeated and right. deflated. He left with the victory because of the word of God. Thanks. Thankful heart. So this is a prayer. You supplicate. Then you have a plea. Uh, and then you have thanksgiving. Once you prayed... If the worry tries to return, cast it back on the Lord, because it will from time to time. Yeah. And that's a prayer of casting your care on the Lord. Uh, number three, the prayer of consecration and commitment. This is an ongoing prayer that you pray like it's an attitude, and yet it's not necessarily a prayer that you pray all the time. No. It's kind of, uh, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that. This is like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's faced with, mm-hmm. well, he's faced with the biggest challenge ever anybody's ever faced. He's going to the cross. He's God with a man suit on. He's laid down his, his deity. He's, and not only, I think sometimes people get focused on just the physical part of the cross, which was horrible, but it was more than that. Right. He bore the sins and the sicknesses of mankind. I don't even know how that works. But somehow Jesus took on sin. He became sin for us, the Bible says. How did he do that? I don't know. But somehow, and he was facing that. And it was so heavy on him. The Bible says he was praying. And he was praying, Lord. And he said this, if there's any other way to do this. If there's because he knew what it was going to be like. He already had had an inclination, if you will. Let take this cup from me if there's any other way, but there wasn't. There wasn't. There wasn't any way to get us back other than what he went through. And so he, at the end, he said, "Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done." That's consecr- that's consecration, and we have to we have to have that. Uh, this is uh, a prayer that you pray from time to time. It's a prayer you pray in the beginning when you meet Jesus. I give my life to you. But then there are times as you go through things that you may have to pray this prayer again as you go through the different chapters of life. I'm going to tell you a story. I was working for that ministry, the kids' TV show. And as humans do, I, the, the show was gaining ground. Things were going well. But there were some things that I was wondering if I needed to be here much longer. Because there's some things that I didn't necessarily like, if you will, that were going on. And I was frustrated about a couple of things. And so I'm, I'm working for this ministry, and we are in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
And we did, we were doing a children's workers conference and I was teaching a bunch of Sunday school teachers on a Saturday morning and uh, we were in a, in a church there and I got done with my class and the pastor was at the back of the room. And so I walked back and uh, he said, how you doing? I said, good. How are you, pastor? And he said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. Yeah. So he said, come to my office. So we go in his office and he was a little uncomfortable. I could tell and I don't know what's coming. And uh, he said, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and you tell me if I'm right. He said, uh, you're thinking about leaving, aren't you? You're thinking about leaving this ministry. And I thought, uh-oh. Uh, should I tell him? And I said, well, yeah, I kind of, I'm praying about that, and I'm da-da-da, uh, and I told him a couple of things. And, and, I, and I began to tell him a couple of things that were bothering me, because as you walk through life, things are going to bother you from time to time. And he listened to me, and he said, okay, he said, you know, uh, I don't know about that, but he said, all I know is the Lord told me to tell you, you don't need to go. He said, it's not his will. And then I began again, yeah, well, wait a minute, da, 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 da. And then he stopped me again. Never forget this. And he said, look me in the eye. He said, what I'm about to tell you is not me t telling you this, okay? He said, this is Jesus talking to you. And he said, Jesus says, would you stay for me? And I can't tell you what, excuse me, what that did to me. Because I thought, if I know Jesus wants me here, I will go through hell in a handbasket. Because I know Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. And I know he'll take care of me. And I made an adjustment in my heart that, and I did, and it changed everything and i stayed then probably another 10 years and wonderful things happened if i would have left i would have missed a big part of my of what god wanted me to be a part of and emotions get involved in life things happen but the bottom line is if you are in the will of jesus christ he'll take care of you and if you pray that prayer lord whatever you want me to do because i know I think about people like David Terry. I don't know if you know this. David Terry, our worship leader. Before Josh had told anybody he was going to start this church, David was his worship leader at the kids' uh, uh, ministry in Dallas at the church they were working in. And uh, David was David's a spiritual man. And one day, uh, Josh hadn't said a word to him. And David comes to, to Pastor Josh and says, I don't know what you're going to do in the future, but the Lord told me to follow you. And Josh thought, uh-oh. Well, and he said, well, uh, and he didn't tell him because he didn't want to get the word out he was going to start a church. He, it wasn't time for that. But when he decided to come here, David Terry followed him. And David came, and he, had, he was married. His wife gave up a full-ride scholarship to be a nurse in Texas to come to Oklahoma. David came here and worked in Starbucks because they dedicate themselves to follow God. There's a guy named Jackson Wilson who did much the same thing. I don't know if you know him. He's in this classroom. Lay down your life. You know, if you lay down your life for Jesus, He will always take care of you. Always take care of you. But that's the prayer of dedication and commitment. I got emotional. Sorry, baby. It's all right. Number four, pray in the Spirit. Oh, this is one of my favorite things to do 
I probably do more of this than I do any other kind of praying because um, um, it's, well, let me just read this scripture to you. It's not in your notes. I forgot to put it in there, but here it is. It's, Psalm, uh, it's uh, Psalms. It's Romans 8:26. It says, "Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered." Now that's a, that's a King James one, but uh, and also in 1 Corinthians 14:14 14, 14, says, "For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying." And uh, this is where people get hung up a little bit. They, they don't understand what they're saying. But you've got to understand, when you're praying in the Spirit, you are talking directly to God in a heart language that He understands. It's like He's pulling everything out of your heart that you don't even know is there that you need. Uh, it says, when you don't know how to pray as you ought. You don't even know what pray- You don't even know which one of these prayers you need to pray. You just don't. But this is one of the kingpin for me scriptures is that when I don't know what to do I I rely on this language that I have been given the spiritual heart language now and I love this too uh I'm going to give you a little breakdown on some stuff this wasn't in your notes but I, I I've taught this for years and I thought why didn't I put that in there I don't know why but uh, that particular scripture that talks about likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. This is the line I want you to hear right here. Look at the word intercession in the middle of the verse. It is a Greek word which conveys the idea of a rescue operation. This is so cool. Uh, it means the Holy Ghost helped the writers of the New Testament find a new word they had never used before in the Greek language to describe himself and what he does. And this is the word. It's sunanti lambano. And this is what it means. Sun means partnership or a co-laborer. You can go slow enough. They can write all this down if they want to. Okay, I'll go slow. Okay. So soon means a partnership. Auntie or anti means someone who is a menace to society, so to speak. It's like a dangerous foe. So you got soon auntie. And then lambano means to seize something, to seize something for yourself by force or to grasp and seize. And so the position of the Holy Ghost is as a partner in labor, as a dangerous divine agent with a hostile attitude toward the devil who is ready to violently take back by force what Satan has sold or is hindering you in. Isn't that amazing? Okay, this is what it means. Yeah, I'll let you make copy. But it means, this is what inter, the Spirit himself makes intercession. This is what it means, once again. The position of the Holy Spirit is as a partner in labor, as a dangerous divine agent, with a hostile attitude toward the devil, who is ready to violently take back by force what Satan has stolen or is hindering you in. That's what your, help, your helper. And in... This is the way you would read it in the Greek, the Greek literal. Romans eight twenty six. The Spirit himself 
will fall into difficulty with us. Initiating a supernatural rescue operation to get us out of the mess we've fallen into. When you're praying in the Spirit, you have no idea how much the, the heart of God and your heart merge and God's heart begins to download things in you. And he begins, even though you don't even know what you need or how to fix it, he does this by just his Spirit downloading into your heart. When you don't know how you pray, to pray as you ought. And, and this is what happened to him. Uh, you know, I got filled with the Spirit, and they gave me that one little scripture. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying a perfect prayer according to his will. And I thought, well, okay. So at night, when I'd lay hands on him, I'd think, I don't know what I'm praying. I have no idea what's going on. But, you know, I'm just praying in the Spirit for him until I fell asleep. But he's not telling me anything. I don't know that when he goes to the liquor store that the, the, the Lord's chasing him over there. Or wherever he was at, he'd say he'd be at work and he'd back, be back there at work. And all of a sudden, he, and, and remember what he told you about his big issue was that he didn't feel loved by God? God was removing that, see, from him, taking that away. And so the love of God kept manifesting to him because that's what was wrong. That was his stronghold. And you know what the the enemy and his lies. I got a I got a cramp coming here. Uh, were being dispelled, mm-hmm. kicked out. Right. He could he couldn't keep that up on me anymore because of the prayer. Your prayers are going forth and driving the enemy back. And the spirit of God see is is gone in and begin to hover over that situation and get the darkness out. And they start seeing things and the veils off their eyes and they can receive yeah. what God's trying yeah. to say to them. That's that's when you're praying for the lost too. That's what's happening. They have a veil. Yeah, one of the most valuable things you can do, especially for your family. I don't know. There's something about the family. Is praying the spirit for them. Just name them, and you don't know what. Why? Why don't they want Jesus? You don't know. You may not know, but God does, and He knows how to get through and break through. He's got ways. That's so powerful. There's so much we could say about that. rescue operation. I could yeah. teach on this part all day. <laughs> <laughs> one more. Let's talk about one more. We, you've got these listed, but let's talk about the prayer of faith, and then we'll close. Tell a story. Uh, this is also called the prayer peti- uh, petition, or you could say it this way, the prayer to change things. And and this is found scripturally in Matthew twenty one twenty two. We've already quoted the scripture that Savario used with his dog, uh, what things soever you desire when you pray, Mark eleven twenty four. This prayer is always based on God's revealed will in his word, and this is so very important. This kind of prayer never contains an if. This is different than a dedication, consecration prayer. This kind of prayer is always you lay hold of this word and you pray this in spite of the uh, opposition coming against you in spite of the circumstances, but you you grab hold of this and you hang on to it for life or death. And if you're in a life or death situation, this is what you got to have. And that's why you need to know these scriptures in advance because sometimes, and I would to God, this never happened to anybody, but sometimes life is life and death. Every day is not life and death. Aren't you glad? Most days are pretty smooth, but some days you're going to go, oh boy, okay, we got to dig in. And this happened to me, and I'll close, we're going to close with this story. 1985, I've, I've done a meeting, I'm flying home. Trudy meets me, she's not feeling very good. In the middle of the night, she starts just trembling and shaking. And it's two or three in the morning, so I call the emergency room, 
And she'd gone to the doctor, but they said, oh, you probably got the flu or something. So the emergency room people said, oh, just bring her in in the morning. And so, so I did. Brought her in the morning. Brought her to the doctor. She's, this is the same doctor she'd gone to a couple of days before. And when he checked her uh, blood pressure and her blood, and, and he got this look in his eye. I could tell he was frightened. And he said, you get her to the hospital right now. We get to the hospital. He said she's got a kidney infection. That's what he said. Kidney infection. So I'm thinking in my own, my 34-year-old untrained mind, okay, kidney infection, well, that's okay. We can handle that. But she just kept getting worse during the day. And that night about 10 o'clock and when all of the visitors had gone home, I'm there alone with her, and the doctor comes in. He says, Mr. Blunt, I need to talk to you. And I go, okay. And he said, your wife, he took me to a room, is very seriously ill. She's got kidney poisoning. And he said, this is to the place she's so weak we could lose her in the night. I just want you to know what you're facing. And I just, I thought, what? How can this be? Oh, my goodness. But I'm, a, I'm facing death in the, in the face. And she's out of it. She hasn't talked for hours. She hasn't eaten anything in a few days. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to do all I know to do. I'm, 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 I'm putting on my, my uh, battle boots. So I got some scripture. The scriptures I knew, and I knew some scriptures. I knew some on healing. I knew some on faith. I knew Mark eleven twenty three and 24. I knew First Peter 2, 24. With his stripes we were healed, which is past tense, which means Jesus paid for it. I knew Psalm 103, verse 3. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. And now it's late at night and nobody's around. Nurses are coming in, but we're desperate. And I don't care. I don't give a rip. I don't care if I offend anybody. And I'm walking around and I'm praising, worshiping God. There's a prayer of worship in here that we talk about, won't get into. But I'm singing without any band. I'm worshiping God because I'd read about the power of that. And I'm doing battle. And it's two and three. And she's not everything. She's still out of it. Tell, tell the part, though, about where you had to go home. Yep. I did have to go home and take the kids some clothes. They were staying with somebody. They were little. What was Josh then? He was six. He was six. Brooke was ten. So I took some clothes over, and I went to the house, and it was fall. It was October 29th was the day, because the next day was my birthday. October 29th, and a northern had blown into Tulsa. We lived in Tulsa. And that house we lived in in Tulsa, the the door faced the uh, east, and a north wind, you'd close the door, and you would hear, like a you know a scary movie so i closed the door and i'm reaching over to turn on the light and i heard that and then i saw a picture in a moment the devil showed me a funeral i saw a casket and i saw my kids broken hearted because their mama's gone and i saw me in despair and and i saw all that and i saw it and it was it was so it was so powerful and i just gritted my teeth and i said she will return here and we will worship god in this house again and i said it listen folks sometimes you just have to say it if you do battle with the devil your words are powerful if you believe that's why you put the word in your mouth and you say those words and you do not let him push you around and i said that and i took the clothes went back to be with her and that's late two three Four in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, I was sitting in a pleather chair. You know what pleather is? Yes. Hospital chair, and still see it. Orange pleather, flat chair, 
and I had dozed off. And I hear this little soft voice, Kenny, Kenny, real, real low. And it's her. She hasn't talked to me in hours. And I went, I said, what, honey? She said, I'm hungry. Could you get me some food? <gasps> yeah, food. Yes. I ran down to the nurse. I said, we need bacon, eggs. I need toast. Give me food. Come on. And came back and I'm jumping up and down. Come on. We need. And I come back in and she's sitting up in bed and that thing broke. That thing broke that morning at five o'clock in the morning. Go ahead and clap your hands, would you? Make me feel good. And later on, the doctor came in and looked at her and said, my goodness. And he was amazed. And the reports, the doctor, we went back to the, the, the original doctor, and he said, there's really no reason you came out of this. I can't explain it. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And that is the prayer of faith. Listen, you got to learn to use your faith and stand against the enemy. He wants to tear you down and beat you up and lie to you. If he can, he'll steal your destiny. He'll steal your health. You got to stand against him. We got to learn to pray, folks. We got three minutes. Y'all get anything out of this? Hallelujah. Let's let's pray. And, and, and after we get done, Trudy talked about being filled with the Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and uh, with the evidence of speaking in that prayer language, we'll pray with you after we get done here, talk to you about it. And we'll, we'll, you can get filled with the Spirit tonight. It's, it's available for you. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for these precious people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of prayer. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we love you so much tonight. And we thank you that these folks, they're going to leave here armed and equipped to go out. And I, I pray things are going to begin to line up in their lives, the things that are challenging them right now. As they pray, as they connect with you, you're going to lead them and guide them. Things are going to have to move out of the way. Yeah. Lord, we are the church. We're here to do our job. And we thank you for this powerful thing you've given us a prayer. May we use it to fulfill the plan that you have for us. And we give you thanks for all you're doing in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We got done a minute early, all right?